my hope is in the Lord. 352, my hope is in the Lord. Let's turn to page 415, 415, leaning on the everlasting arms, amen, 415. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms, what a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms, pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we have the privilege of assembling together. And Lord, I pray that we would never take that privilege for granted. 
Lord, I ask that you would be with us during this time we call our worship service. Let us sing the songs to you today, dear Lord. Let us ask that you would work in our hearts and lives. Lord, I ask that the message this morning would come from you and not from me. Lord, that we would be able to learn a little bit more about serving you and doing our part. We ask for your blessings in each part of the service. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, let's turn to page 288. 288, I would be like Jesus. Earthly pleasures mainly call me. I would be like Jesus. Nothing worldly shall enthrall me. I would be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Jesus, this my song, in the home and in the throng, be like Jesus all day long, I would be like Jesus, he has broken every fetter, I would be like Jesus, and my soul may serve him better, I would be like Jesus. Like Jesus, this my song in the home and in the throng. Like Jesus all day long, I would be like Jesus. All the way from earth to glory, I would be like Jesus. turn to page 414, page 414, it's about trusting and obeying, amen, 414, trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory Trust and obey. 
children 11 and under dismissed to the junior church verse 4 then in fellowship's sweet we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way what he says we will do where he sends we will go never fear only trust and obey trust and obey Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1. And as we're going through this series on our Sunday mornings, it's not uh, a very tight series as uh, would be Thursday nights as we're going through uh, different topics or verses. But we're just looking at people whose lives were used in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of those people, most certainly, and, and um, as I was looking over the, the list of people from who to choose this morning, I said, boy, we've, I almost feel like I've skipped over this guy in, in the consequence because we've looked at uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. We've looked at uh, Peter, and then we spent some time with Andrew and and uh, we, we kind of forgot, I kind of forgot about John the Baptist, amen? And uh, certainly John was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and his entire life was used in service for God. Now, there is probably no more unusual life than that of John the Baptist. We often joke just a little bit. Nobody came over to John's house for dinner. Uh, he, he was just not the kind of person that you wanted to eat dinner with. Uh, we'll get into that here in just a little bit. I mean, he, he was a strange person. And uh, we look here 
in Luke chapter 1, and we find out that this strangeness, this uniqueness, this um, difference of this man called John the Baptist actually began even before his, he was born. His birth was a miraculous event. It was not just through the normal processes uh, of birth. In verse 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass, while he executed the priest's office before God in order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple before the Lord. And we're going to just stop right here and we're going to, uh, we have just been introduced to John the Baptist's parents. Zacharias was a priest. He was of the descendants of Aaron. Uh, he was of the, uh, of that family. He himself was not a direct descendant of Aaron because then that would have made him the high priest. But he was in there in the sons of Aaron, his wife was a direct descendant of Aaron. And had she been born uh, a man instead of a woman, she would have been uh, heir to the position of the high priest. And so it was a great honor for Zacharias as, as a descendant of Aaron to actually marry uh, into the... Uh, the very family of the high priest to marry the sister uh, of the high priest, so to say, or, or one of his very close relatives. And it says that both were righteous before God. Now look what it says in the end of verse 6, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. It uses a word there, blameless. Does that mean that they were without sin? Of course not. But it meant when you looked at their lives, these were clean, living, righteous people. And they had no child because Elizabeth was not able to bear children. And now they were old. It tells us that he was of the course of Abia. That was the 24th. Of the four, 24 courses of the priest, they had them all in order. And it says that it was his lot to burn incense in the temple. Now, we look to the Hebrew tradition in the Talmuds to explain a little bit about this to us. But we find here that this would have happened in his life maybe one time. And he was an older man now. It was past the normal time of having children. And yet, he was in there at the altar of incense. And look what happens in verse 11. It says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. 
But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for what? Thy prayer is heard. Now, here's Zacharias, past the age, past the time of having children, and yet he is in there, and in his heart he is praying and asking God for a child. And we look here and we say, boy, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? But it's this little thing called faith, amen? He just simply believed God and he prayed and he knew that God was capable of doing anything. And yet we'll find out how much faith he had to bring that prayer in and how little faith he had when God said your prayer is answered. Boy, doesn't that ring true of us and how we live. We pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and God gives us an answer and we say, ah, it couldn't have happened. And uh, that's just humanity, amen? And so as we move on here, it says, it says, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, we don't have time this morning, but if we went to the last verses the last chapter of the last book in the, in the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi, we would see in there these words that are being quoted by the angel Gabriel right here saying that this is the messenger. This was John's place. This was his lot. This was his calling in life. He was the one that was to go before the Messiah and announce and the identity and the ministry of the Messiah. And Zechariah, in verse 18, said unto him, Whereby shall I know this? Now, wait a minute. The angel just told him. Amen? Now, that's one of the reasons why God doesn't send angels to tell us things today. Amen? It's written down. All you got to do is read it. Amen? Don't get caught up in these things. Some people said, well, if I could only just hear an angel from heaven. Well, here Zacharias not only heard the angel, saw the angel, uh, and he was full of faith looking to God for this very answer that the angel was giving him. And when it happened, he didn't believe. God made it simple today. It's all written down. All you got to do is read it. Amen. And uh, don't listen for voices. There are many, many voices out there. And uh, none of the voices you're going to hear today are speaking from God except the ones that are written down on the pages of this book called the Bible. That's the only way you can know what is true and what isn't. And so the angel told him, said, Listen, Zacharias, because you won't believe me, you're not going to say a word until this child is born. And so Zechariah comes out, 
And he goes, it was the tradition of the priest after he had put the incense on the golden altar to come out and pray for the people and bless the people. And he went stretched out his hands to open his mouth and nothing came out. And they, they said they perceived that he had seen a vision because he beckoned to them with his hands, but he couldn't talk. And so he went home. After he fulfilled his duties as a priest and it came to pass that his wife was with child and that child was born and all that time Zacharias couldn't say a word I wonder if Elizabeth enjoyed that or not I don't know but it was quiet and finally that baby was born and the time came for the naming of the baby and all the relatives came around and since Zacharias couldn't speak Everybody else there was going to fulfill his uh, job as the father of that child and name that child. And they said, the name of this child will be Zacharias. And his mother said, no, 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 you can't call him that. His name's John. I said, wait a minute. Nobody in your family is named John. I mean, you've got all kinds of other names, but you don't have that one. And uh, finally, they beckoned to the father, and apparently he wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to what was going on. And verse 63 of Luke chapter 1 says, And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all, and his mouth immediately, his mouth was opened me immediately, and his tongue was loosed, and he spake and praised God. And fear came upon all that dwelt about them, and all these things were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. Now, it would only be about six months later before there would be a group of shepherds running through the hill country of Judea, noising abroad a, a vision of angels saying that our Savior is born in the city of Bethlehem. And uh, so there was a lot going on in this hill country here. But needless to say, this birth of this young man named John was different. His name was different. The circumstances was different. And the prophecy at his naming on the eighth day was very different. And his appearance was going to be different. He had a miraculous birth, but he had a very mysterious life. From the time he was old enough to live on his own until he became a prophet of God and began to explain. Let's look at this here uh, in, in verse 1, chapter 80. It gives us the entire life story of John the Baptist. And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing of Israel. He was just a little child, maybe 10, 12 years old. He left off living in the home with his parents and went out to the desert. And uh, what was going on in that desert? As far as we know, this man named John was communing with God. He was learning about God. He was preparing. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 3. 
And Matthew gives us a little bit of a picture uh, of his life here. But as far as the history, that's it right there. In verse 1, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Now, let's just stop right there for a minute. I know, gentlemen, if you're into fashion at all, you've gone into the stores and saw those uh, camel hair blazers. They're like three and four hundred dollars for a cheap imitation of the real thing that you buy over at Macy's for twelve or fourteen hundred bucks. And that wasn't what John was wearing. Okay, uh, it was not fancy clothes. It was homespun. In fact, probably John did the spinning. And uh, that probably wasn't a very good job. I would imagine it was very rough clothing John had. And and, uh, John always had food to eat because there was lots of grasshoppers hopping around. That's what locusts are. How many of you have ever picked up a grasshopper? And uh, as I was a kid, we always talked about getting squirted with tobacco juice. It was always that brown stuff they... Uh, put all over you and it stained your fingers and and all of that and smelled real bad and then you'd let the grasshopper go and and uh, that was dinner. How many of you want to go to John's house? Never went hungry, my friend. Now wild honey, I could almost handle that part. I, I like wild honey. That's that's pretty good. I, I don't like getting it. Uh, that would be the hard part because uh, there's all these bees around, you know, and they like to sting people and protect their honey that they've produced. And, and that was John. He lived as simple a life as a person could live. And he was a man of no possessions, he, he had a mysterious life. I don't know how, I mean, how uh, 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 nutritionist, uh, nutritional, all of his nutritional needs were met through locust and wild honey, but I'm sure the Lord provided there somehow. And uh, uh, they tell me that insects are a great source of protein. Uh, I just praise God I've never been that hungry. And uh, and pray that I never do get that hungry that I'd want to try insects. Uh, but uh, that was John the Baptist. He had a miraculous birth, a mysterious life. But he did have one thing that had not happened in over 400 years. He had a moving message. He had a message directly from God. And... John the Baptist, I'm not even going to try to imitate. My voice is, is, is just, I don't know what happened to it, but uh, for the last four or five days, I don't have a sore throat, but I just can't, 
make it do what I'd like to do, and it's not very strong when it's at its best. And so I'm not going to try to even imitate John the Baptist. But he was not one of those, let us all gather in the name of the Lord kind of preachers. Amen. I mean, the windows rattled in the panes. The leaves moved on the branches when John spoke. I mean, he scared the living daylights out of those people. People just came to look at this madman. He, he was a Nazarite from his mother's womb. He, he, he drank neither wine nor strong drink, which if he followed all of those things, it meant that he never cut his hair, never shaved his beard, lived in the wilderness, Never ate anything or touched anything that had to do with grapes. His whole life was dedicated to the Lord. His message was very simple. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven here in Matthew chapter 3 it says. But look at verse 5. It says, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance." Now, John had an interesting thing here. John was preaching a message. He said, repent. And we see a new thing in the history of mankind here. Not very many new things. It says, they were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, this idea of baptism, if you read any modern book that was written trying to explain John the Baptist, they'll tell you that, oh, he was just going through the Jewish washing rituals, of which there were many in the Old Testament, and he just called it baptism. Wrong. Didn't work that way. You see, many of the Jewish people did have many washing rituals. In fact, there were... Many of those things in the Old Testament, you can read them there. But when Aaron was consecrated to be a priest, who did the washing? Does anybody remember? It wasn't Aaron, it was Moses. When the priest put on his, on his garments after Aaron became the high priest, the priest was responsible for cleaning himself. Uh, the leper had to take a bath, but he did it to himself. The, uh, uh, if a person had touched an unclean, was unclean by the reason of a dead body or unclean by the reason of some infection or some physical problem that they had, where they had an oozing sore or something, they had to take their own bath and then they had to be sprinkled with the water of separation. This was different. This was not a bath. There was no scrubbing involved. They were just simply baptized or immersed in the water. And by the way, who did all the immersing? John did. I mean, the only one that's anywhere near like it was when Aaron became the priest. You had, you had Moses 
prepare him for the priesthood. But other than that, all of the washings in the Old Testament were done by the person. This baptism thing was done by somebody else. And they were baptized confessing their sins. The Jewish law said that you confessed your sins as you put your hands on the sacrifice, not as you went down into the water. Now, John said, listen, you need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, that word repentance is a word that you might hear a little bit about today. But the real meaning of the word repentance is looking at your life, at your sin, God's way. You see, when God looks at your sin... What did he do? He sent his son, Jesus, to the cross to pay the price for our sin. When we look at our sin and we try to do something to take care of our sin, we're not repenting. We're trying to cover it up. When we really and truly repent, We take our sin, all of its horror, all of its putrefaction, all of its vileness and wickedness, and we bring it to God. That's what repentance is. Admitting that we can do nothing for our sin. Now, can you physically do that? Can you take all your sin and put it in a box or on a plate? Or some of us would need a a garbage truck. And, and try to bring all of that sin to the Lord. Could we do that? No. That's something we do in our heart. Amen? That is a spiritual inward event. But this physical picture called baptism was an outward sign of what happened on the inside. That's all it was. It was a public testimony that I, as an individual, had given up completely trying to take care of my own sin and had brought it all to God by faith and was going to live differently from this point on in my life because of the decision made in my heart between me and God. Sounds a whole lot like salvation to me. How about you? Did getting wet make them any more repentant than they were before? Absolutely not. But you get the inward truth, then you can have the outward picture. Amen? John introduced this thing called baptism. It was not just merely some part of Jewish tradition that he adapted for his own preaching. It was something brand new. It was different. It was not connected to anything except repentance toward the coming Messiah. As John preached his message, people said, I believe that the kingdom of heaven is near and I'm going to get my life right with God. And in order to do that, I'm going to repent of my sin and bring my sin to God. And the physical picture or testimony of that fact was this thing called baptism. John 
had a moving message. He had all of Jerusalem and Judea and Galilee, I mean the entire scope of the Jewish people had come out to hear this wild man from the desert rant and rave and preach. And when the Pharisees showed up, it was like somebody just said, sick him to the hound dogs. Does anybody know what that means? I mean, he went wild. He started calling them a generation of snakes. He said, how in the world are you guys? Now, these were the religious leaders, by the way. These were the people who were responsible for instructing everyone about the truth of the Bible. And John looks at them and calls them a bunch of snakes and said, how in the world are you guys going to escape the wrath and condemnation of Almighty God? You'd better bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. I like John's message. He was not taken in by the wrappings of religion. If it isn't real, then it's fake. Amen? John's message was real. It was moving. And people came out and he warned them and he told them of Jesus. And finally the day came when Jesus came to John and John looked at him and said, Jesus, I want you to baptize me. And Jesus said, listen, in order for us to fulfill all righteousness, you've got to baptize me now. Because all the things that you're looking forward to. And he explains here in John chapter 3 about the baptism of the Holy Spirit simply being salvation. And there is a baptism of fire, my friend. It's called the lake of fire. Eternal condemnation. You can't have both. You can only have one or the other. By the way, both of those baptisms occur in the spiritual realm. And when you believe Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you give a public testimony to that by the waters of baptism, picturing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, picturing the end of myself, repentance, and the new life that God gives me through the death of His Son, salvation. Amen? And so this was John's message. And people came out, and the Pharisees, they were angry at him, and they tried to do everything they could. And finally, John went a little too far. Old King Herod had gone down. He had stolen his brother's wife. Now, that's pretty despicable, isn't it? And John pointed the finger and said, You're not allowed to marry that woman. She belonged to somebody else. Now, she figured out a way to get John put in prison. And old King Herod, go down and listen to John preach. Now, could you imagine this? Here's the dungeon. And the king comes walking down in the dungeon in his royal robes and he goes through the cells and all the smell and all the horrible things that were down there, the pictures of torture and everything, and he finds John the Baptist's cell. And he says, hey, John, can you, can you give me a message from God? 
and the old man would stir himself. He wasn't old. He was only 30 years old at this time. He would stir himself, and he'd come up, and he'd get in the face of that king, and, and he'd tell him what he ought to... It said Herod heard him gladly. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I want us to turn to the book of John. The Gospel of John. Chapter 3. And I want us to look here because John had an absolutely marvelous attitude. John's entire ministry, his entire effective ministry lasted about six months. Now, how many of you would like to live your entire life for just six months? You say, wow. Is that, is that all John did? Yeah, that's all John did. He preached for six months. Then he was thrown in prison. And he was in prison for quite a little while, and we'll, we'll get on to this, but not a very long time. It wasn't years. But in verse 25 of John chapter 3, it says, Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying... See, they were trying to figure out what kind of Jewish ritual John was using, and John was telling them it wasn't. And, and, and they came unto him and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not to Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And that which he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. And so, and we come down here and he finishes it up. It says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. This was John's speech. Six months he preached. Then he was thrown in prison. And some people came and said, Now, John, that person that you talked about, you said, Behold the Lamb of God. He said, He baptized more people than you did. What do you think about that? John said, That's good. John wasn't wrapped up in himself. Amen. John wasn't concerned about his place in history and how important he was. He had his job to do. Now, John was not without his questions, and he was a human being. I mean, it'd be kind of hard to live your whole life and then realize that I spent 30 or 20 some years in the wilderness 
so I could preach for six months, get thrown in jail for a year to a year and a half, and that, that's my whole life. You know, not too many people would be standing up to imitate John the Baptist, now would we? But this was John's calling from God. He had a special duty that only he could perform. And John's attitude at this point in his life was absolutely biblical and absolutely wonderful. He said, listen, he must increase, but I must decrease. He's different than me. I'm of the earth. I can only speak of those things that I know. But he comes from heaven. He's above all things. If you have the Son, you have eternal life. If you don't have the Son, you have the wrath of God. Not abide on you someday, abiding on you right now. If we could just get that picture. Understand that the wrath of God is resting upon the shoulders of every man, woman, and child walking the face of this earth without the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's worse than a hand grenade with the pin pole. There's nothing stopping that wrath from consuming that individual but the mercy of Almighty God. He gives an opportunity for us to repent. And if we will, He'll save us. That was John's message. Amen? But turn with me to Luke chapter 7. John was a human being. And there came a time after John had been in prison for many months that he began to question. And in verse 19, it says, And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Now, did you get that question? Let's read that again. The question was, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? John is saying, Listen, I announce to the world that you are the Lamb of God. But you see, Jesus wasn't doing things John's way. Now, John had not been influenced. He was not capable of being influenced in the same way that many of the Jewish people were from all of the teachings and things and their wrong traditions that when the Messiah came, everything would be right. I mean, some of their traditions were almost uh, uh, like the old folk song. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, you know, and, and you just put whatever you want in the in the next phrase. Uh, and uh, they used to sing that song, and, and uh, actually that song is talking about the old steam train coming around the mountain, and when the and train came into town, you got everything you wanted. And that's the way the Jewish people treated the Messiah. When he finally showed up, we're going to get everything we want. We're going to be the kings of all the earth. And that wasn't John's problem. I have a feeling that John just was tired of being in prison and being gawked at by the most wicked man walking in shoe leather in his day, 
King Herod. Had a feeling that John just believed. He said, listen, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. And the friend of the bridegroom rejoiceth because he hears the voice of the bridegroom. And I think John just kind of pictured himself as being able to be with Jesus and hear his voice and hear his teaching. That was hard to do from a prison cell. And John couldn't hear those things. And John's desires to be with Jesus and to tell other people. That's why he was there. He was there to tell everybody that this is a Messiah. Couldn't do that from a prison cell, could he? And I have a feeling that he was just a little bit discouraged. What do you think? It was hard for John to realize that his job was done. That he had already fulfilled his entire duty to God. But that was John's duty and that was John's job. And Jesus sent back a message. He, he showed those disciples that John had sent. He had healed many people and, and done these marvelous works before him. He said, you go back and tell John what you see. He said, and give him one little message here. Verse 23, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, before we get too hard on John the Baptist, let's just take a little moment of application in our lives. How many of you have tried to tell God how to do something in your life? Uh-oh. Preacher, you're not preaching anymore. That's meddling. Amen. That, that's where we live. That's the problem. Is we want God to do things our way. If you were here for Sunday school, that's what Tower of Babel was all about. Doing things your way, not God's way. And he gave John a simple message. He said, blessed or happy is he that's not offended in me. If you'll just allow me to be who I am and allow me to do things my way, it's going to be better for you. Now, this message this morning, one of the few messages, everything starts with an M. He had a miraculous birth. He had a mysterious life. A moving message. A marvelous attitude. He had a mistaken hope that his life was going to be a little different than it was. And the last point this morning was he had a miserable death. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 16. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John who I have beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Now this is Herod talking about Jesus. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold on John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. By the way, Philip wasn't dead. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel with him and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy, 
and observed him, and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come, boy, that's a scary thought, isn't it? That Herod, on his birthday, made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and saying, I will that thou give me by and by. That's the old English term for right now, as soon as possible. In a charger, the head of John the Baptist. Now look at this. And the king was exceeding sorry. Yet for his own sakes and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. Now I wonder what in the world Herodias wanted with that head. But she got it. Now, just, I don't even think this needs saying here, but there's a lot goes on for classical music that is absolutely blasphemous and disgusting. There's an oratorio called John the Baptist. Don't, don't waste your time checking it out at the library. Don't read the story. It, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's disgusting. It has nothing to do with the scripture at all. Just the perverted desires of some weird composer who happened to write it. Lots of filthy stuff attributed to the Bible. And none of it is one bit true. Now everybody's going to go check that out and say, what's pastor talking about? Don't waste your time, please. All right? And if you're ever somewhere and you hear something, oh, they're going to play the, the Bible musical about John the Baptist. Say, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. I'm not going to listen to it. Run away from it. It's unbelievable. He was killed in prison by a scheming woman. That was the end of John the Baptist. And we say, what a life. He lived in the desert from the time he was a very young teenager until he's about 30 years old. Preached for six months. Got thrown in prison, got his head chopped off. Now, that was John's life. But can I tell you something this morning? You probably already know this, but it doesn't really make sense to us. John lived his life in 100% agreement with the Word of God. With the one exception of questioning who Jesus was. But I believe John got that straightened out before he was executed. And said, I'm not going to be offended in Jesus... I'm just going to let Jesus do things his way. There's a lot we can learn from John the Baptist. Amen. I think the first thing we can learn is, number one, you're not near as important as you think you are. Amen. Amen. Oh, me? 
I mean, if you think you're really important, we got an altar down here when we give the invitation. You can come and get that thing right and confess your own self-importance to God because I'll tell you, that is one thing that destroys the ability to serve the Lord is thinking about self. You can't come to Jesus. You cannot be full of the Holy Spirit when you're full of self. It's not possible. John had a message to preach. He had a duty to do. And he fulfilled that duty, even though it only lasted six months. Now, don't get worried. God says, I want you a living sacrifice. Amen. But when I read the story of John the Baptist, I think of a book my son found for me on the Internet. It's a copy of John Bunyan's history, and that's not the... Uh, most important trademark of that book, the fact that it was stamped on the inside of the book, John T. Stamp. Now, most of you have probably never heard that name. He, John and Betty Stam were missionaries in China in the 1930s. They were the first of the communist martyrs for the cause of Jesus Christ. They had gone into deep interior China to preach the gospel. They were young. They had only been in China for a very short time, and they had only been in this city where they were hoping to set up the mission about 14 days when they were completely surrounded and cut off by the communist Chinese. Make a long story short. They were led from town to town over the mountains. John and Betty and their little baby, Helen. They took little baby Helen as they were put into a cottage in the city of, uh, well, it was actually started out in Tingse, China, and then they were moved about 12 miles from there. They wrapped Helen in some blankets. The next morning, the communist soldiers came in and took John and Betty Stam out to a field and chopped their heads off. Now, the reason they did that was because in the Chinese religion, they believed that if they chopped your head off, then your spirit could not go to heaven. That was their purpose. Why aren't you glad God's a little bigger than the communist? Amen. Little baby Helen was rescued several days later and after quite a intricate and tedious journey was brought back to the United States where she was raised. And uh, if I remember right, her daughter, yes, it was her daughter, you may know the name Shannon Lucid, the astronaut that holds the world record for the woman in space, that was Helen's daughter. And I have a book that was actually his book. And it says, Rescued from the Loot in Tingse, China, 1934. You know what some people in America said about John and Betty Stan? They said, what a waste. That young couple, only in that town for two weeks, no time to establish any ministry, no time 
to get anything done. They, they were just there. They, they were the victims of the communist Chinese. And yet, as their story was told, literally tens of thousands of young men and women, this is in the 30s, surrendered their lives to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. John and Betty were independent Baptists. They were Bible-believing Christians. And do you know that the next generation in the late 50s and early 60s was the time of the greatest growth of the independent Baptist movement? And part of that reason was all of the lives that were surrendered to the Lord due to the martyrdom of John and Betty Stan. They served their purpose. Their lives were cut short. It was a horrible death. But God had a purpose, amen? God had a purpose with John the Baptist. He was the first man that pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Now, he didn't say it nice and soft like I just did. But if I attempt, that'll be the end of the message this morning because my voice just won't do anything today. But you think about that. John's message was real simple. He that believeth on the Son hath life. He that believeth not on the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. John the Baptist served God. He wasn't concerned with John the Baptist, but he sure was wrapped up in God. Amen. The question is, let me just read one verse and we're done. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Down here toward the end of the chapter. Verses 36 and 37. It says, As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's the story of John the Baptist. And that can be the story of every person in here today. If you will just simply surrender your life to let God do it his way. Number one, are you saved? If you're not saved, need to get that straightened out. You need to get that problem dealt with simply and securely. If you're saved, are you baptized? Are you a member of a Bible-believing church? We have one here we recommend very highly. Amen? If you're saved and you're baptized and you're a member of a church... Are you doing what God wants you to do? You say, how can you know that? Well, it takes a little effort, but you can know that. 
are you being obedient to this book called the Bible every day? Amen. That's how simple it can be. John the Baptist was. He did not die a victim. He died a conqueror. John and Betty Stan did not die victims. They were used of God in a miraculous way. But God may ask something more of you. He may ask you to just simply live for him. Till you turn 105. That'd be a great privilege, would it not? As Jesus said to Peter, What is that to thee? Follow thou me. That's what John did. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we just ask that you would teach us from the life of this man named John. Who had a special calling and a special position, yet very short-lived life. We ask that you would work in each of our hearts and lives and that you would challenge us to be obedient to your word. Give us grace, dear Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. I have Brother Franz come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. The song says, only trust him. That's where it begins. That's where it ends. And if you're not doing that right now, would you come and spend some time at an old-fashioned altar? If you're not sure about your salvation, would you let us take the Bible and show you how you could know? As we sing, will you please come? have the piano continue to play if you need to come and pray this verse is for you
God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I want to take just a moment to remind you the uh, something either happened with the post office or with the people that print this, but the uh, March and April uh, devotional book, The Baptist Bread, uh, if there are none out in the lobby, uh, Rachel will get some more and put some out there for me. Okay, she's the one that does that. And uh, this is uh, just a daily little devotional book. It has a, a little paragraph or so you read each day. And uh, I'll tell you, it'll be a blessing to you if you just simply uh, read. Try to take just one per family so that there's enough uh, to go around. Uh, ladies, um, we need to talk to the typist here who does our bulletins. That's me, by the way. And uh, got the dates mixed up. The ladies' meeting is next Tuesday. So write that down. It is next Tuesday, not this Tuesday. And uh, uh, so uh, put that uh, down there. And uh, for those that uh, are interested to know, the uh, men's meeting in Montreal was absolutely unbelievable. And uh, it was very good for the men. There were eight of us all together, Brother Saravia. And uh, several of us from our church went. And uh, they're going to do it again next year. And so, gentlemen, uh, we're going to give you notice uh, next year from uh, March, uh, what is it, March 15th, 16th, and 17th, I believe. Uh, start getting those days off. If we have to, we'll get a bus. We'll do something. But uh, I'll tell you, it'll be well, well worth the time and effort uh, invested. And so... Uh, we want you just to pray uh, about that and uh, praise the Lord for uh, those that did go and uh, hope you like what you're seeing changing around the church. Uh, I think our tile guy did a, a, an absolutely phenomenal job. There's still some cleaning up to do and it will, if you think it looks good now, wait until all the oak molding is back up in the lobby and all of that. It'll really look sharp and and uh, we get the walls built downstairs and uh, finish that out. want you just to keep praying about the renovations, if you would. And uh, just be patient with us. Hopefully, uh, by the end of March, uh, the middle of April, we should be just about finished all of our work. Uh, that is my prayer. And uh, that, that uh, we're well on the way to be doing that. All we have left now is the roof, the ceiling in the basement and the floor. And uh, just a few little things going up and down the hallway and dressing it up. So I uh, just want you to uh, keep that in prayer if you would. All right, men, if we could have our ushers come, we'll receive this morning's offering.
just before Brother Ding prays, um, uh, I got to visit Shirley Lim in the hospital last night, and uh, she is uh, doing fairly well, praise the Lord. Should be coming home from the hospital either tomorrow or Tuesday. Um, Sarah, I think, has the card. Uh, if you have not yet signed that card and would like to, we're going to try to take that over to her uh, probably tonight after church uh, if we can. And so if you'd like to sign that card for Shirley, and please keep her in prayer. Uh, it, it's very trying. Uh, those of you that have been in the hospital know uh, how trying it can be with all the tubes and the nurses and everything doesn't happen just the way you want to. And it's it's a it's just a, being in a hospital is no fun. I mean, how many here have been in the hospital for something serious like this? Uh, I'll tell you, it is. There's just nothing pleasant about it. And so, um, if you would just keep Shirley and of course the family in prayer, I'm sure they would appreciate it. Brother Ding, would you ask God to bless the offering and please remember Shirley in prayer as well. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, come and lead us as we're dismissed. 705, if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Sweet.